Welcome back to the DHF podcast. I'm Scott McNay, pastor at the La Plata Christian Church in La Plata, Missouri. And today I uh, have co-host Sam Sears with me. Good afternoon, Sam. Uh, good afternoon uh, to you, but good morning to me, Scott. That's so right. uh, that time zone difference really reflects how there's uh, DHF churches all over the U.S. So yeah, I am, that's exactly right. I am Sam uh, Sears, and I'm the pastor at the Fountain Christian Church in California, and then I'm also on the DHF board. And we're really excited to have with us, see, we, we called Rick Grace our DHF grandpa, so I don't know we can call Wayne that. But Wayne is the former executive director, and then also uh, he was the pastor emeritus at First Christian Decatur. Uh, Wayne, thanks for being on board. It's my pleasure to be here today, guys, and to... Well, we, we do a lot of stuff together, being Zoom meetings together, but this is good today to be in a different format. Absolutely. Yeah, today we asked uh, Wayne to join us. Maybe Wayne's the fun uncle, Sam. Anyway, um, Wayne is uh, yeah. here to give us a little insight and wisdom into hiring staff. Um, That's something he has done in the past a little bit of and quite a bit more than me. So I know I'm excited to hear... Um, kind of a process and thinking through how this all works when you're building a team at church. Yeah. Say somebody calls you up Wayne and they say, you know, I'm making my first hire. I've not done this before as, as a pastor need to hire a staff, youth pastor, music minister, something. I have no idea what to do. What would you tell them? So maybe to answer that question, a little bit of background would be helpful. Uh, I served this church, or the First Christian Church Decatur. I mean, what, what is a my pastor emeritus office? It's a, um, a, it's where I got moved to after I retired, and they have a, have a small space in the building still. And uh, so I pastored this congregation for more than 28 years. Prior to that, I was responsible in a smaller church in Tulsa for eight years. And then before that, I was on the road with a group of musicians uh, five years together in a bus, uh, traveling down the highway every day at 60 miles an hour with 11 to 15 people, you learn a lot about relationships when you can't leave the room. Mm. Uh, and so, or else you're going to go bowling down the highway. So, um, in each the case in Tulsa and in the case here in Decatur, uh, every staff member who was there um, was somebody that I hired. And so, I've seen things come and go. I've seen experiences come and go and practices come and go. We went here in Tulsa, here in Decatur from where I was the only full-time pastor to a setting that many of our most churches don't experience, but where we ended up with some 50 or more people on staff. Just do, we went from a small church to, I guess you could say, a very large church. And so through the 28 years of having that many people on staff, you Probably, I probably hired hundreds of people in life story of people. They may be with you for a few years and then something shifts and they take on another role somewhere else. And so I have these practices that worked in terms of process and thinking with this biggest idea in mind. How, how are we creating a culture that is sustainable long term? Not just for, um, the mission and the vision is so important, but if you don't pay attention to relationships along the way, you're simply burning out people. And 
we had people, I'd have to say we made some mistakes. I made mistakes along the way. We had some horrific errors along the way. Um, maybe not so much in the people we hired at times, but maybe the ways in which we hired and the expectations we had of them. And so I learned a lot. I would say overall, when it comes to hiring staff, you have to have a process in place. Now, just one more bit of background material. I came into pastoral ministry out of music ministry and never intending to be a pastor. So the learning curve for me was pretty steep. I, I ended up being a pastor before I went to seminary. Then I went to seminary. Then I went and got a, a, a doctoral, a DMIN degree, which was in staffing of all things. Um, with with this, my project or dissertation, if you will, was how to how to grow a church through staff. And so I've learned a lot in that process in terms of ratios. When you have a church this size, this is what your staffing should be. And if you want to go to the next size, this is what your staffing should be and things like that. But along the way, I would say the biggest thing that I would say to those, anyone who's thinking about staff is, can you create a culture of kindness for both for candidates and for those who are on staff together? And so um, thanks for letting me be with you today. And we should call it quits right there because that's it. No. <laughs> can you create a culture where kindness is both expected and is the experience of people who work for you and even in the hiring process. So I have some insight into that. Maybe we can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. How does that then, um, when you're digging through resumes, when you're sitting through interviews, if that is the process, then what are the um, things that jump out? How do, how do you reveal that? How do you seek that out in people? And then what are the red flags may feel obvious, but what are the things that have jumped out in the past that say, hey, this isn't the right person for our team? Well, first of all, on the kindness aspect, think about if, you, if you're looking online and you say, okay, this church, such and such a church has um, somebody who will, they're needing, they're needing a music minister, they're needing maybe, or you are a youth pastor, and you see where you could be that person who could apply for that role, then um, you have to think through what's it like for them. They send off a resume, and then invariably in most church settings, they never hear back from the church. Mm -hmm. That's that kind. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ who at least deserve a reply. So mm -hmm. one of the things that we learned over the years is if we post a job in-house or on the web or however the process of getting the word out, for each resume we receive, everybody at least deserves a reply. We got your email. We got your resume. Thank you so much. We'll be back in touch if we need to be in touch. In the meanwhile, we wish you well, and may Godspeed help you find the right role for you, period. And so it's three sentences long, but at least they know you got their stuff and you're looking at it. And then sometimes in that process, you can say, thank you, but we're moving in another direction. People who are applying, they deserve the courtesy of having a response. Yeah. And so they're not just wondering. And we, I think we just don't think in the, if we could just get in inside this headspace of somebody who's applying and start with kindness right there. So in, in our case, I can speak to our case. So uh, if we were hiring, say, a discipleship pastor, uh, we'd get a bunch of resumes. Every person who applies would be uh, said, thank you, but no thanks. 
there would be one or two people would be a clearing house that would say, well, we're not doing this person, this person, or this person sure. for a variety of reasons. We can come back to that in a minute. And then um, the, what we've learned is to print those resumes off rather than just you've got a committee or a group or a team that's responsible to review those. those. And if you're trying to do it on where everybody's looking at a computer, it gets very confusing. So here's a little secret we learned. Everyone that might be considered, whether it be 20 people or 10 people or maybe 40 people, color code them. In other words, print this, print one resume in pink, print one in blue, pink one in yellow, print one in yellow, print one in green, as many colors as you can. And you may end up with three pink ones and three blue ones, whatever. But at least then when you're in the room, you say, we're looking at the blue guy. We're looking at the yellow woman. You know what I mean? So Yeah. So, and it's a simple thing that just creates some continuity through the process absolutely and, and so you it would seem to me you've got to whittle down to about 10. so yeah. you're sending out emails uh we've we've begun our process and we uh, we have come down to a group of about 10 people and at this point we're going to move on and we wish you well thank you very much for your resume and then to the 10 who are in who are in the process you go yes you're in the process we now have come down to about 10 and we'll be we will be meeting within the next three weeks to decide if you're going to move to the next round. Right. Just again, be kind. Yeah. Because being kind in-house means you're also kind to the people who are looking at you. So just create that culture. Then get down to about five candidates. And that's where it gets starts to get a little bit more dicey. And here in the car, I'm, I'm back in the building, as I said. So in this building, we developed a process of sort of weaning out or determining whether or not people were eligible once we got to about five but again if we got to five we we, we say we're down to five candidates you're one of the five and in light of that we'd like to get you to answer six questions now these are not gotcha and i would i would write the email and say these are not gotcha questions but these are questions about our theology and we're not that we're not testing you or anything like that instead Here's what we believe about this matter, this matter, this matter, and this matter. And they would be three sentences long. And, and we're asking you to give a response to what we believe in 200 words or less per, per sentence or per, per issue. So this is not long answers. We don't, want, we don't want a master's degree response. We don't want, you know, a long paper, six pages long. We want a quick response. How do you respond to these issues? So here's what we believe about these issues. Are we in line together? And, and if they are, usually it's, I'm in full agreement with you. And it just takes care of a lot of theological issues because I'm aware of this. Throughout the variety of Christendom, there are, from right to left, there are so many theological positions. And if you're building a staff team, you don't need people on board who are not in agreement with you. Or let me rephrase in a positive. You need people on board who are in full agreement with you theologically. If they're not in full agreement, that they are close enough to you and that they would agree that when it comes to public teaching or public conversations or even private conversations, they're not going to push away from the church line. I don't want to say the party line, but from the from the church's church's. And I, I have I have six of those questions, yeah. um, and I think it helps to just def help define where these people are coming from theologically, because they have to be right as 
citizens of the world, and you, you are probably looking at people from around the world even, though I would say if you're bringing in somebody from outside the U.S., it becomes much more difficult with H-1B visas and all. We've done that. We have two people on staff right now here who came from outside the U.S., but it's very difficult to process to move that. But if they're the best candidate, they're the best candidate. But um, that's expensive because you're bringing them in, so you're not anything about just travel and getting their family here or whatever, but you're also thinking about the legal process. But apart from that, um, six questions that would um, help define whether or not this person you're interviewing or contemplating is going to be in line with you. Because if you want to create a culture that's not only kind and professional, but that's unified. So I, I'm willing to give you the list of six right now if you want to jot them down. Because I'd you, love to hear them. You may have different answers than what I would give. Sure. Absolutely. But my point being, you don't want somebody who's on staff to have a different answer. Yeah. And within the body of Christ, there's room, in, some, in my opinion, in some of these to go some ways, though there's a couple of them that I would say are not. First of all, so I'll, I'll, I'll let me list all six of them, and then we can come back and unpack them, okay? So we, you need to ask questions about Scripture, about salvation, about baptism, about the Holy Spirit, about women in ministry, and about sexual ethics. That's very quickly. Let's see if we yeah. can unpack what does this candidate believe about scripture? Are they are they a literalist, or are they, you know, and and everything in scripture as it's written is? Are they somebody would say scripture is infallible? Uh, the do you know the inerrant word of God, or would they somebody be somebody who would say, well, scripture is a record of God's interactions with humanity? Well, from my our perspective, if somebody answered that to me, I'd say. Fair enough. That's your opinion, but that's not where we would land. Right. land scripture is infallible. The inerrant word of God in the original writings and all the clauses and caveats we put in that. Yeah. You guys, right. if you've been to theological school, you'd understand that. But we would say yeah. in faith, scripture is our highest authority, and we're going to start there. Whereas that's I know that's far down the right hand side of of Chris's Christian theology, mm -hmm. and probably from a layperson's perspective, they don't realize how broad. Christian theology is in answering that question. But you, from my perspective, I want we would want somebody in our building working for us who sees scriptures our highest authority, the infallible inner word of God. Because sure. if we bring somebody in who's far left of that, there's just going to be complications all the time. Yeah. So that's the first one. Right. What do you believe about salvation? There are people within the church, capital C, who would not ascribe to the position that I have or that this church has, that salvation is solely through Jesus Christ, period. Right. Particularly in the Reformation community that we're all part of, there are some who are far left of that. Um, as a matter of fact, this DHF, we put that to the disciples of Christ, Christian Church Disciples of Christ, many years ago. Is salvation in Jesus Christ the, the way in which the disciples believe at a general assembly? And the answer to that came back at the general assembly, no. So yeah. I would not bring somebody on board who, again, sure. from our perspective, says that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. But if you're a church that says, well, there are m many ways in which somebody can go around the mountain to get to God, you wouldn't want me on staff. Right. Because we're yeah. going to be arguing back and forth, all right? Absolutely. And then, so, so it's scripture, salvation, and then baptism. In the Restoration Movement, Disciple Heritage Fellowship, there we have different understandings. 
you have some on the far right in the Church of Christ in non-instrumental who would say, hey, uh, unless you've almost been baptized in the Church of Christ Church, your baptism is suspect. And then you're going to have some moving away from that position. Hey, if you haven't been baptized by immersion, your baptism is suspect. And you've got all the way down to those who say baptism is not important or to those who would say, well, as long as you've been sprinkled somewhere along the line, you're good with us. Where do you land on that? Right. Because if you're if in a, in a Christian church, say a Christian church independent or a DHF church, where the probably the preferred method of baptism is, is by immersion, Sure. And you bring somebody on staff who's never been immersed, what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Unless you have a policy that, or the theology that doesn't include that. So again, I'm not prescribing the theology you should have today, or so I'm just saying you want to make certain you do cover. Scripture, salvation, what kind of baptism do you, Is how do you understand baptism? Is baptism salvific, or is it simply a response to a work that Christ has done in somebody's heart? You have to answer that. Now, again, in these six questions, we'd give two or three sentences and then ask for a paragraph, no more than a paragraph. And sometimes it's maybe just one sentence. Yes, or one word, all right? Next one, I would say, number fourth question is Holy Spirit. What's your understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit? We are, um, the charismatic movement of the late 20th century has had a dramatic and legitimate impact upon churches of all brands and stripes in the years since then. And you need to know, what do they think about the supernatural gifts of the Spirit? Because if you're um, somebody who believes that all those supernatural gifts cease to exist after the apostolic age, and you bring in a neo-Pentecostal or, you know, (laughs) whatever whatever you want to use, you're going to be odds. So again, just trying to clarify, what do you believe about women in ministry is number five, because particularly if you're interviewing women candidates, and you, if you would be a church, say, well, women can have reached this role in ministry, but they can't get to here. If that person's coming in expecting to go to here, that's a problem. Or if you have a woman, you just have to answer, what do you believe about women in ministry? Yeah. And again, and then finally, a new question that we added, or I've added, if you will, in the last six or seven years, mostly based on the social norms and social ethics and discussions of our culture. And that is, where do you land when it comes to sexuality and sexuality ethics? Um, is homosexuality, um, not as a, not as a, not are you born a homosexual? Not are you, what do you believe about homosexual? I'm not asking origins. Tell me about sexual, your sexual ethics regarding what is marriage what is the role of men and women in marriage? And all those questions that I don't need to outline today. You get the idea. Yeah. Because, again, you don't want to bring somebody on board who's going to be at odds with your theology, whatever your th- theology may be. And I would, I have some personal opinions on what you should prescribe mm-hmm. when it comes to those matters. But at this point, you're just asking for descriptions. Okay, that's me talking way, way too long. Well, I think that's... All of this is incredibly helpful because it brings alignment through clarity, whether it's just the practical color coding during interviews with resumes to make sure someone on your team isn't looking at the wrong resume, adding confusion into the midst of a pretty important moment of just knowing this is what this person has done and what they're applying for and what they bring to the table to six questions. And a, a church, a local culture may 
color those questions in a different direction, or there may be one that's not important and another one that's crucially important because it's a hot button issue with where they're at. The idea that you're just trying to weed out the basic things so that to apply for working on this team, this is where we are and we expect there's going to be plenty of discussions in-house about all kinds of things we're doing related to ministry. These things are off the table. We've already agreed on these things. Right. And I think that's an important upfront discussion to have before moving forward. And I appreciate that. I noticed that you mentioned earlier, um, somebody may be willing to acknowledge public teaching, not push back, but maybe have a little bit of difference. Can you think of an example? So maybe we can get an idea of like what an acceptable level of difference is. I think probably that's most often found uh, in when it comes to women in ministry, in my opinion. You may have somebody who says, well, I'm... I'm a little uncomfortable with women elders, or I'm a little uncomfortable with a woman being called a pastor, but I'm going to come on staff and I'm not going to push against that. Or it might be the flip. Some some churches may say women can't be pastors, and I would prefer that would be the case, but I'm willing to abide by And And it depends how much of these of an issue these, these comments are. Um, again, I'm not trying to prescribe and tell any congregation or anybody that's listening today, watching today, what the position they should take. Just make sure you've covered it. Cover your bases because you want to, trust me, I've lived through enough staff, you know, where, they, where you're laying in bed at night and the hair on the back of your neck is standing up because you know tomorrow morning you have to have a really difficult conversation that um, is going to bring pain to a person or to their family or to you. We've all, I mean, I said we all, we, we haven't fa- all faced those, but in in my, I mean, I've been in ministry since 1978. I started full-time ministry, and I've fired, literally outright fired, probably about four or five people in those years. And um, we've ha- had other times when I've had conversations with people, and they've said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out the door in six months or whatever. That, But that's different. When, you have, when you've had to say to somebody, uh, your time is done as of today, and here's a severance check. Probably in those cases, we could have solved it and not brought all that pain into our lives or their lives. That damages the body of Christ. And so um, if you can prevent that and and do your homework ahead of time, it's far better. Sounds like you're saying, yeah, take the proactive approach rather than try to patch <laughs> things up later. Yeah. So I don't know how many staff have been through your time, but my perception is, Overall, that four or five number is pretty low, or did you say five or six, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Pretty low percentage. It really is. And I could, I mean, it'd be inappropriate, but I could name the people because that's, I mean, right here sitting at my desk, I can think of three people right now. We had to say uh, no. Um, There were probably more than that who you would say, uh, we're in a difficult moment. And uh, we've, but those three, in full-time, I've been in leadership since 1978. Long story, but I can think of three people I had to bring into my office and say, today's your last day. There may have been others. I mean, I, maybe on the periphery, we had a part-time secretary one time who we found smoking marijuana in the, in the women's room. That was, um, you're not done today, but you probably won't be back next week. So I don't know if that's a firing immediately, but that's one case I can think of <laughs> beyond those three. Uh, he just... You know, but right. 
It's a small percentage. Pretty normal here in California. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, please. <laughs> I forget, not everybody listening will know. I said, yeah, she, she really didn't think that was inappropriate, which was stunning to me, but there you go. Uh, but I've never had that. A good chunk of our members do have medical marijuana. It's very fair, fair enough. No, she was just, I mean, it'd be no different than drinking on the job in that right. regard. She's she high as a kite in the front office. It's not helpful. No. Moving on. I, I'm it's trying. Good. I've got I'm, some thoughts, but I'm trying to leave them. So, Wayne, I have two short questions. This sounds like a great plan. Uh, once you've got your team in place to hire, these are some great questions to ask. But I can see a lot of churches having problems going, all right, our church is small. We can put it out in the community. Where can we put it out online? Do you well, know some places yeah, to recommend? There are online resources. There's church staffing. There's chemistry staffing. There are um, uh, probably that I would have to, to come back to that in terms of give a specific list. But there are plenty of places online where you can get ministry staff. There are also um, there's some high-powered groups where you pay a lot of money to have them do a headhunters for you. Um, I would think that um, in all the years that I've done staffing, I've never used one of them. Um, but I would say this, it became my habit in the last 15 years to always be on the lookout. If I met somebody or was in a conversation with somebody or was in a relationship with somebody from some other congregation around the country, I'd go, you know, that person might be good for us in about three years. Or um, I need to I need to kind of dig in a little bit and see who that is. So as leaders, if you're leading the church, you have to have your ears up for that at all times. Because what if your music minister comes to you in, in 12 months and says, um, I've decided to become a, a state farm representative. I'm not doing this ministry thing anymore. Do you have any, do you have even any contacts or any ideas? So I'm always... As the pastor here, I was always thinking, you've got to be thinking ahead. Plan. And it may not be on paper even. It may be just not being mindful. So there are lots of online ministry resources. There are also some people uh, beyond the high-powered guys who you pay a lot of money for. There are also some other uh, smaller headhunters out there who are um, able to provide some help. I had heard of a guy just this week, as a matter of fact, I, um, and he um, he does, he's retired. And he's worked in a lot of different fellowships or denominations, if you will. And he says, I'll help you out. He's really specializes in churches that would be under 300, I think. And he says, I have no charge, no fee. But if it works out, I really would, I would really like you to remember me when you come into your kingdom. <laughs> I would really like you to remember me. And he says, if you're asking about what you should offer me, he says, in order for me to provide that and to connect you guys, any an honorarium in the neighborhood of twenty five hundred to five thousand seems reasonable. Which you go, whoa, that's a ton of money. Well, if you're hiring a lead pastor, or you're hiring a really important staff member, yeah, it's a ton of money. But rather do it right. Um, or again, I would push everybody back to DHF to Disciple Heritage Fellowship because with the hundreds of churches that respond to us. We know of situations, and we can't fill every role, but at least we know some people, and I'm in the middle of helping a church do that right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Wow, that, that answered a ton. Very practical advice, and I definitely appreciate the uh, thinking forward. I, I try to have everybody on my staff have training a replacement. 
you know, my, my line of thinking is, um, we should all have Timothy's and we never know when we're going to get hit by a bus, you know, not that we want to. That's one thing. Uh, Fair enough, Sam. That's great. But, but, but that's in house. Yeah. But that's not. Grow your ministry. You want to bring, if you can bring blood in from outside. And so who's that's going to be? So in three years from now, I can see that we're going to need whatever the, you know, this, so blank line. So who are you even talking to and being mindful of for three years from now? Anyways, it's probably another topic. Oh, no, that was good. And um, my my last question was just everybody's, you know, if you've got several people, they've asked all these, uh, you've asked all these questions, they've responded well, and I'm looking down because I actually wrote them down. Um, are there any additional like red flags you want to point out and how they answer? Yeah, keep your, keep your candidates informed all along what's going on. And if it's a high-profile position, frankly, if it, not even if it's a high-profile, more than likely you, at some point you've got to do a face-to-face interview. And be kind to them when they come to your, to your town. Put them up in a nice hotel. Don't ask them to stay, stay in a 12 by 12. You know what I mean? <laughs> Put them in a nice hotel and fate them and show them the city and say, let them know. We've got three candidates coming in over the next three weekends. And then get to just one. Don't, I've been in settings and had to advise churches in the past where they've got three candidates and they're asking the church to pick between two. And you go, that's 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 a disaster. You're asking for a church fight right there get down to one candidate and say to the other two uh we got to three candidates you're not the one guy but we're keeping you on file because if it doesn't work out we're coming back and they go well i'm gonna what am i chopped liver i'm gonna be number two choice yes you're gonna be number two choice but frankly you guys know bj Leonard. we high we were all the way down to the wire with one guy and it just didn't work, and we got oh, and so we're going to go to number two candidate was BJ, and man, we we struck it rich. It was like a, a vein of gold. But the same thing with with my the secretary who I, who I hired in March of 1994. She was the second candidate, <laughs> and yet two days after hiring the first candidate, she comes into my office. I don't want to do this. What? You went through the whole process. You're already working. I don't want to do this. It just doesn't feel right. Went to Peggy, and Peggy is still on staff. Here it is, more than twenty-eight, almost twenty-nine years later, a gold mine. So you want to, you yeah, you want to be upfront with them, but only work when you get down to one. Work with one. Don't ask the church to compare and contrast. Well, that probably wraps us up for this episode. Everybody, have a great day. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, listening and watching. If you'd like to connect with us, you can head over to discipleheritage.org. Let us know your comments and questions and maybe ideas about what you'd like to hear about in the future. So we'll have Wayne back on very soon. Uh, I bet we will all even be wearing the same clothes. So have a nice day and we will see you later.